Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Swipe up episode 195. This is the show where I talk about and give my opinions on current events. Sometimes that triggers people and they get very upset and need to let me know in the comments which is funny because it's always the conservatives that get very, very triggered with my opinions and, and try to attack me uh, with their really poorly spelled arguments and attacks in, in the comments. So, you know, it, it really just fuels and encourages me to keep doing this show. Uh, and then also, I, I just kind of enjoy talking about what's going on, the crazy things that happen in the world. Uh, so let's get it started, shall we, with a kind of a crazy thing that's happening in the world. There's a new movie from the Minions franchise, which I have never seen a Minions film, have no desire to, uh, but apparently there's a new one out, which is like a prequel or whatever. Uh, this is a franchise that's been going for like a decade, over a decade, something like that. So there are a lot of kids that have grown up with the Minions franchise, and there's a trend that is happening, a TikTok trend, uh, of gentle Minions, uh, which is kids dressing up in formal attire, going to a screening of the new Minions movie, Minions The Rise of Gru, and apparently causing a lot of trouble while in the screenings and there are theaters who are banning people from purchasing tickets if they're wearing formal attire, which is crazy. If you are wearing a suit to go see the movie Minions or any movie, I would imagine, especially in a group, from all the things that I've seen, it's like large groups of kids. I mean, you think of the past. You think of all of the movies that have kind of done similar things, right? Uh, obviously, Star Wars, huge. People dressing up as Star Wars characters. Uh, Harry Potter, kids dressing up, adults dressing up as Harry Potter. Uh, Marvel movies, people dressed up like Marvel characters. Uh, I remember going to a screening of 300 when that was a movie out in theaters uh, in San Diego. A lot of big college towns, so there was a lot of college bros dressed up like dudes from 300 right with authentic six packs and everything i was not one of those people but they were there chanting this is sparta before the movie starts right you had during the matrix in the 90s you had people dressing up like neo and trinity and morpheus but generally those people go into those movies and are pretty polite and enjoying the movies. I mean, they'll probably cheer. They'll pro I would imagine the Lord of the Rings franchise had similar things. But generally, the people going to those movies are respectful of the movies. And from what I've read, the reason why people are being banned, these gentle minions are being banned, is because they're going in and they're, like, clapping throughout the movie. They're yelling and cheering and sometimes throwing things at the screen so very being very disruptive now i don't know 
if the character grew, I mean, he seems like a bad person, I guess. He's the bad guy. I don't know. I don't know. I have never watched any of these movies. But on first glance, I was like, why would theaters be against this? This is like a thing that I would imagine is... I mean, these are large groups of kids, like 30 kids, all dressed in formal attire. So privileged kids who can afford formal attire to go to a movie. And they're like, apparently there's theaters that have refunded thousands of dollars worth of tickets because of this disruption. So on the face, I was like, well, that's kind of short-sighted of these theaters, especially in a time where attendance in movie theaters is, is down, is low. It's, they're struggling. Movie theaters have been struggling far before the pandemic. And then since the pandemic, it has been a struggle. Only a few movies here and there, only the biggest of big tentpole movies, like your uh, some Marvel movies or like the, the most recent Top Gun movie, like very few movies are really finding any kind of success. I would imagine this is a film that's finding some success in theaters. But for, theater, for theaters to ban anybody is crazy. For theaters to ban people wearing formal attire is crazy. But reading and seeing that it's people causing trouble is like mind-blowing. Like fans of the thing are the biggest assholes at the thing. It'd be like going to watch Star Wars and the whole time... I, I can't imagine that happening. Going to like the new Star Wars movie... And all the people who are dressed up like Star Wars being the people heckling the screen. That would be mind-blowing. Unless you're at like some revival screen or whatever. Not like a general audience type of a screening. You know, that seems like they're, they're, the way they're acting at these movies, these screenings of The Rise of Gru, are like how people react to screenings of The Room or Rocky Horror Picture Show while they're being like loud and disruptive but it's as it's part of the whole thing this it just seems like they're being assholes which is kind of interesting considering the type of people that would be able to afford formal wear or just own formal wear I would imagine are on the conservative side of the spectrum so not surprising that people who are on the conservative side of the spectrum would go to a movie and be disruptive and rude and uh, heckle their own thing that they enjoy. Which I don't even know if it breaks down in that kind of way. But that would be a way in which a group of people would shoot themselves in the foot in order to assert their freedom. And also would love to hear all the angry people in the comments <laughs> uh, anytime I talk shit about conservatives. Uh, but yeah, a weird thing that I would imagine most people don't even know is a thing. And uh, it's weird. It's weird seeing a bunch of kids, like large groups of kids, dressed in formal attire. They look like they are 
young conservatives of America, although this is happening in other places, like the UK is having a lot of issues with this as well, um, which there's conservatives over there too, you know. But uh, interesting, weird. Wanted to talk about it because it's not every day where there's like a fandom of a movie of a franchise that goes into a screening of their movie to be disruptive. It seems, it seems so counterproductive. It's it like, it, it makes me like, I'm not even have no desire to watch the minions thing. Despicable me, that whole franchise of stuff. I mean, I guess kind of makes me interested just to probably understand more. But at the same time, if the fans of that thing are assholes, it doesn't make me want to support that thing. It makes me interested to, like, learn more and discover why, you know. But it's so weird. So weird. Anyway, and now a quick word from our sponsor. Now you can wear The Many Faces, original art by Ray Taylor. Select pieces from the ongoing series of abstract ink paintings. All products made with high quality materials, made right here in the USA. Go to inspireddisorder.com slash TMF merch to browse the entire collection and save yourself an extra 10% when you check out by using coupon code RTS. TMF. So once again, go to inspireddisorder.com slash TMF merch and save 10% when you use coupon code RTSTMF. And now, back to our show. Let's move on. Uh, Daniel Trachtenberg is the director of an upcoming uh, Predator film, a prequel film called Prey, that will be hitting Hulu in early August, I believe. Uh, and he did an article here for what is this empire magazine and it's talking about his decisions that he made uh, for making this film he is the director of 10 cloverfield lane which was one of the related films in the cloverfield universe of films of monster alien type films and one of the things that he mentioned is he likes the creative restrictions that he had uh from working in on on 10 cloverfield lane the restrictions of the movie taking place in one location and in this movie the restrictions are there is very little to no dialogue in the entire film uh, that most of this story is being told with the actions of the characters uh, the main character who he describes as somebody who would have been a sidekick in any other movie uh, is the lead, and it is a female warrior of a Native American tribe. Uh, I forget exactly. He mentioned the, was it Cherokee or, um, let's see, does it say what, I'm sure, I know it does say, but, damn it. I should have looked that up. Um, but they went to Comanche. Uh, so it's a female who is, becoming a warrior in the Comanche tribe, which is obviously rare. Uh, and they used, one of the producers is Native American, they used people uh, to make sure it was authentic, uh, to, to show respect to the Native Americans, to the Comanche uh, within the movie itself. Um, and apparently, 
So the way they did it, despite there being very little dialogue, the dialogue was recorded in English. But there will be a dub track that will be in Comanche, which I kind of wish it was the other way. The very little dialogue, they should have had at Comanche with subtitles and then had the English dub available. But apparently the way they did it and with the technology is that they were able to, because there's so little dialogue or so little words in general spoken, that they were able to make the words that are used in Comanche line up with the mouth movements of English. So the things that they say apparently are different, but still work within the structure of the movie, but also look good. So as Dan said, it's not going to look like an old 1980s kung fu movie. It's going to look like they're actually saying those words, and there's probably not a lot of it. I would have preferred the reverse. Have them speak like the same way... Uh, What's-His-Face did with the, uh, that one movie. That one guy who did that one movie. Uh, the guy that everybody hates. The, the guy from uh, Mel Gibson. He did Apocalypto. And it was even, I think, even uh, Passion of the Christ were done in, uh, like, I think Apocalypto may have been a made-up language, may have been an authentic language. Either way, uh, both of those movies used those other languages and had subtitles. I would have liked this movie. I'm still excited for this movie. I think it's interesting. I think the fact that most of the storytelling is going to be uh, visual, I think is amazing. I also love the idea of restrictions on the creative process. Because when you're creating things, there are infinite possibilities. There are so many tools at your disposal, at disposal when making anything. Uh, so anytime you can place restrictions on that, it, it kind of gives you a framework to work within and allows you to focus your creativity on fewer things, which will make those fewer things even better. Which is something that, at least in film, the Dogma 95, uh, which is a, a set of guidelines that, of restrictions uh, that uh, was made by filmmakers... Uh, as a response to Hollywood's obsession with CG and obsession with big budget and obsession with like visual effects uh, to kind of force directors to do everything as authentic and in camera as possible. And while doing that, the idea of that is to allow the filmmaker to be creative in all of the other ways uh, that aren't held back by those restrictions. Uh, so I appreciate that. I'm a fan of Dan Trachtenberg from way back when he was a host of the podcast, The Totally Rad Show, one of the first podcasts I ever started watching uh, that introduced me to, you know, the Slash Filmcast, which is now the, the Filmcast podcast, which is my favorite film podcast. Uh, but I've been a fan of Dan as he becomes a man, uh, as he becomes a director, uh, not only with 10 Cloverfield Lane, but highly uh, anticipation, the high anticipation of this film, which apparently uh, was supposed to be made before, but of course COVID, so it was pushed back either way. 
the Predator franchise I would like to dip into as well. So when this movie does come out, I will be reviewing it on the show, and I will probably be doing a top five of the Predator films, which they're fun. Like I, there's some that I haven't seen. There's some I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, one of the newer ones, the Shane Black did a version speaking of Lethal Weapon and Mel Gibson. Shane Black did a Predator movie, which I absolutely hated. So it will be interesting to dip back into that franchise and see how they all stack up with each other. I have high hopes for this one. I have high hopes for this one being high on that list. Uh, So fingers crossed. Also, Dan Trachtenberg uh, directed the very first episode of The Boys, which is a great show that I will be reviewing next week, season three of next week. Uh, He did the pilot episode of The Boys many years ago, uh, which is a great show, uh, a great episode, a lot of visual effects in that episode, uh, which are are well well done, and uh, he's a great director. So I'm looking forward to see what Dan Trachtenberg does with Prey, movie coming out, I believe, August, early August on Hulu. Let's move on. Let's move on to... Sasha Baron Cohen, one of my favorite comedian, comedic, kind of a hidden camera prank type style of movie maker. At least my favorite movies of his are those that employ that kind of him being in disguise doing things uh, like Borat and uh, what are the other ones he did? Uh, That other one. Ah, I'm blanking on the other movies he's done where he's in costume. Uh, but Borat 1 and 2 are great. He also did a show, show uh, which I think was a Showtime show called Who is America? Which is a great show. Same thing, him doing different costumes, uh, exposing how disgusting America is very similarly to what the Borat films did. And this one, in one of the episodes, his character had developed a technology that would expose pedophiles. It was like a metal detector, but if you waved the wand over somebody who was a pedophile, it would detect you. And he was in an interview with Roy Moore, who was a, was he, congressman or something like that? Uh, Supreme Court chief. Alabama Supreme Court chief. Uh, which I don't know what that is, but and it's somebody who is a lot of allegations for, you know, underage sexual misconduct. And, of course, Sasha Baron Cohen's character uh, had the wand beep or not beep. I forget what it is. It's supposed to detect somebody who is who is a pet. I think it beeped over Roy Moore. Anyway, the skit detected the intention of the skit was to detect that and say that Roy Moore is a pedophile. And uh, it was shot down. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen escapes Roy Moore's 95 million lawsuit over pedophile skit. Uh, Let me read this. On Thursday, former Alabama Supreme Court Chief Justice, Chief Justice, I'm sorry, uh, so a, a judge, uh, Roy Moore saw his $95 million uh, defamation lawsuit against Sasha Baron Cohen rejected for the second time 
Uh, Moore and his wife filed the suit following the former Chief Justice's appearance on an episode of Cohen's Showtime series, Who is America, in 2018. During the episode, Cohen was disguised disguised as an Israeli anti-terrorism expert and used a tool that he claimed could detect pedophiles. Alluding to sexual misconduct uh, allegations against Moore that arose during a 2017 Senate run, Cohen passed the tool over himself with no reaction from the device and then more, leading to a series of beeps. Moore stopped the interview and later sued Cohen, claiming that the disclosure formed the disclosure agreement he signed before participating uh, was obtained under false pretenses. A New York federal court dismissed the lawsuit last year, but more uh, but more appealed. However, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit upheld the lower court's decision Thursday, pointing to the disclosed agreement. Uh, additionally, the three presiding judges said Cohen's segment was clearly comedy and obviously farcical. One of the great things that comedy could be used for, there are so many comedians. There is a trend that has been happening, and these, this trend... These comics have tend to all move to Texas. But there's a trend in comedy that this they consider themselves edgy comedians. But they're really just conservatives. They're really just conservative com- comedians who label themselves as moderates or centrists like a Joe Rogan. Or, you know, there's a lot of New York comics that are, you know, part of that, that kind of skank fest situation. They consider themselves to be edgy comedians, but really just spouting conservative talking points and arguments and all of that nonsense. Uh, and they use that as a way to, they, they think they're being edgy. They're, not, they're just playing to, they're playing to a conservative audience. I like that there's still comedians out there that understand the power of comedy and that you can use it to attack those types of people, like how Sasha Baron Cohen is doing, like how a lot of other comedians, there's a lot of other comedians that actually write just funny jokes based on material. That don't have to be this this like conservative talking points disguised as edgy, you know, being like being just b- overtly racist like a Tony Hinchcliffe, and then labeling yourself edgy, labeling yourself a centrist when you're really just clearly just playing to conservative audiences, audiences that enjoy you relishing. And using racism as a punchline, they enjoy watching you uh, attack minorities and marginalized groups like trans people, uh, which apparently that's what uh, Dave Chappelle. I, I can't watch new Dave Chappelle. I don't. I, I love Dave Chappelle, and I don't want to watch his new stuff because it's sad. The dude just got rich, got disconnected from everything, and now he's just apparently just attacking trans people for his comedy. 
and I don't think that's funny. You could call it punching down, punching. It's just it's conservative. It's you're you're playing to a conservative audience. That's what you're doing. Because conservatives are the people that are literally attacking the rights and livelihoods of those marginalized groups. They are making racism popular again. And you're using that in order to play to their those audiences, in order to seem edgy. You're not edgy. You're just conservative. So I love Sasha Baron Cohen's ways of doing that ways of like attacking whether it's with this show which was really great or with uh borat so anyway congratulations for sasha baron cohen and uh it's good to see like this is how you know like all of those quote-unquote edgy comics are the ones who cry and complain about cancel culture even though zero of them have ever been canceled right they but that's like they want to act like they're the victims so they complain about cancel culture, cancel culture like Joe Rogan complaining about or Dave Chappelle complaining about cancel culture. Meanwhile, they are filling arenas. They are doing their podcast. They are do, they're getting these deals with Netflix like they are the farthest thing from can, being canceled. But that's like one of the right wing conservative snowflake talking points is cancel culture, even though it does not happen. And even in this court case, like if cancel culture was a thing, which the real cancel culture are the rights that are being taken away from the marginalized groups of this country. That is the real cancel culture. People literally losing rights, losing freedoms. That is the real cancel culture that is going on that the edgy comedians support. They support that kind of cancel culture. Meanwhile, using the term as a way to cry about criticism that they get from their their old dated material. So it's nice to see this exists, this, this not getting canceled. That's when you know we're in trouble. That's when you know we're in, we're in trouble when something like this. When a frivolous lawsuit like this from somebody who's clearly trying to cover their ass because they have stuff to hide doesn't get to go through with it the protections that are afforded to artists like comedians are still in place and able to protect people like sasha baron cohen from doing their their work join inspired disorder plus today head on over to inspireddisordercom slash plus to join membership includes members only discounts and deals you get access to the ray taylor show completely ad free as well as bonus episodes you get access to the complete live painting archive you also get access to every single podcast ever produced by inspired disorder hosted by ray taylor you get access to ray taylor's personal blog as well as the opportunity to ask me any questions. So if you want to start a podcast, you're into art, ask me anything. And so many more things are being added every day to Inspire Disorder Plus. So sign up today, become a member, head on over to inspiredisorder.com slash plus and become an Inspire Disorder Plus member today. Let's move on. Last but not least, not only, not only 
has the uh, the show Stranger Things erupted Kate Bush's career with this song. I forget the the name of the song, but that's the song that's blown up. The song that I never heard of until Stranger Things used it, and now like I can't unhear it. Apparently, in the uh, one of the final, I don't know if it was the final episode, I think it was the final episode of season four of Stranger Things, used a Metallica song, Master of Puppets, uh, and they've benefited from that as well. I am not a fan of Metallica because I was alive in the 90s when Metallica sued their fans. This is a band, Metallica, when they were starting, encouraged their fans to bootleg their albums and share their albums, their bootlegged albums, with their friends. That is how this band started. That is their, their origin story for getting popular. And many years later, when they are popular and they are millionaires and they release a hybrid album, S&M, where they, their songs are being played by a symphony... That album didn't go as well as they wanted to. And there was a piece of technology that was being used at the time to bootleg music called Napster. So Metallica, who benefited from and grew their audience from encouraging their audience and their fans to bootleg their music, now that they are millionaires and disappointed with the reception of their gimmick album, which I enjoyed, I thought it was interesting listening to Metallica music being played by a symphony. But they blamed the lack of success on Napster. Meanwhile, Eminem breaking records. Same year. So it's just they, they expected to make more and they didn't on their gimmick. And uh, so they decided to sue their fans the only people that would be bootlegging their music are people that can't afford it but love their music. Those were the people that this band Metallica decided to attack and decided to sue. So I don't really care about Metallica. You know, I think they've definitely made some good music, but as far as greed is concerned, as far as how they treat their fans, how that's concerned, I don't care. It's disappointing, actually, that they are making money on a technology that came from Napster. The ability to download and stream music was pioneered by a technology known as Napster. This band is profiting once again because their song was used. And this is a band that used to be very against their music being used in like soundtracks and for marketing and things like that. But again, in the 90s is when you heard them. I think their first Mission Impossible 2, I think, was their first soundtrack that they were on. They started licensing their music out. Started selling out. So, I am definitely more proud of Kate Bush, and that is a much better story than Metallica 
a bunch of wealthy millionaires who started their career by encouraging their fans to bootleg their music, who later sued their fans for bootlegging their music, are now profiting because one of their songs was featured in a very popular Netflix show, which I thought the scene was great. The songs, I mean, they make good music, sure. I just don't like them as people. I just do not. I like as far as Netflix, like like as a band, I just think they're morally bankrupt. They don't care. They care far more about money than they do about their fans. So I feel bad for people who are fans of this band because, I mean, they're lucky. They're lucky they weren't a select group of people that uh, were sued by them when they became, uh, you know. And they became a little upset with the the uh, the performance of a gimmick album. But anyway, Metallica, Master Puppets, 400% increase in streams. Woo! Woo! Good for you guys. I remember what you did. I remember how you started. Horrible. Like, I'll never, never pay for... I don't. I mean, I just don't listen to them. I mean, yeah, have they made good music? Sure. I'm not really... I don't really listen to that. I never was really into metal. I, you know, I there's some of their songs, sure. But I'm not going to support them in any financial way. I'm not going to applaud their six, con- continued success after how they treat their fans. Uh, so anyway, let's do some shout outs and get out of here, shall we? Shout out to ABC News. Shout out to Danny TRS. And shout out to now this news. But most importantly, shout out to you. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at inspireddisorder.com. And follow the show on Instagram at Ray Taylor Show. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.